we're doing what should be done, not what makes money, right? Which is very antithetical to most people in, in the world, let alone in this space. Well, I hope that whets your appetite just a little bit for a deep dive into one of the most valuable tools for the job of building wildfire resilient communities. The tool is an app called Watch Duty, and the voice is that of John Mills, the co-founder of the nonprofit that's put it all together. This is Fire Talk from the Canocti Fire Safe Council, and I'm Bill Grudy. In just a moment, we will hop into the Zoom room and meet up with John Mills and KFSC board member John Knoll for a conversation that will definitely help you with the knowledge you'll need to become more firewise. So stay with us. If you can plan barbecues and weddings, you can plan to protect yourself from a natural disaster. Sign up for local alerts, prepare an emergency kit, and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. We're back on Fire Talk with a deep dive into the enormously valuable app Watch Duty, the app that lets you track fire activity in real time. Can't say enough good things about it. It is the best of technology and human skill and dedication. And to help us tell the story, we are joined now by co-founder John Mills. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. And um, also, we're going to be joined by another John, John Knoll, uh, who is also a member of our KFC board. John is a retired fire battalion chief from Southern California who brings some 30 years of experience to the table. And John, uh, happy to have you on board, too. Thanks, Bill. Hi, John. Our listeners are going to have a great time learning about watch duty. Um, and maybe a place to begin, uh, John Mills, is uh, for you to tell us the story. What's the background? How did it all come together uh, to create this nonprofit? Well, like uh, a lot of folks who live in uh, wildland country, you know, a lot of these ideas get born out of fire, unfortunately. Uh, and after living through a couple disasters, uh, the Wallbridge fire being the closest one to me that ended at the corner of my property, um, I got a firsthand experience as to what was uh, what was going on and what was wrong. Um, and so I spent um, the next six months or so after the August 2020 uh, is when the Walridge fire was. And so the next six months were investigating how I could help, what I could do. I was working with different folks in the radio community, different firefighters, cope and firewise groups, riding around in fire trucks. I helped my friend's company, Pano AI, get started. Um, they're doing image uh, smoke detection from imagery, similar to what Alert California does now. Um, and ultimately, digging through that problem, watch duty kind of exposed itself to me. I, I, I was obsessed with this idea of information dissemination and intelligence. And, you know, I, I, all, I used Pulse Point like everyone else, and I was using radios, and there was something here that was missing. And so that's where the impetus for this all came from. Do you have a background? You must have a background in, in software and technology that would allow you to pull this together, right? Yes, I've done this a couple of times before. Uh, never as a nonprofit. I've done for-profit work uh, most of my career and bought and sold and built companies. Um, and I came out to Sonoma County, California here to live off the grid where I'm still living. And my forest has not burned down, um, thankfully. Um, and so I wanted to use these skills to help other people. Um, a lot of Technologists are focusing on city centers and city problems, but the minute you come into the wildland, you find out um, just how dire the situation is. Now, you were able to scale this thing pretty fast. How did that happen? Uh, and, and with almost no money from the beginning, as I understand it. Yeah, uh, you know, blood, sweat, and tears is the answer, but ultimately, uh, technology doesn't have to be complicated and hard. Um, 
that's what a lot of a lot of folks don't understand, even technologists themselves. Um, Watch Duty was built in 80 days for free. Um, I built most of the code myself with a bunch of other volunteers. All of the servers are donated from you know Amazon and Heroku and Salesforce and all those companies. Um, so we don't have many bills, um, which is great because we're a 501c3 nonprofit. And so ultimately we you know, kind of threaded the needle of, of the right technology with the right team at the right time who knew how to get this off the ground extraordinarily fast. What sort of budget do you have uh, to run this thing? And, uh, and, and where does that money come from? Well, we didn't have um, a budget for the first 18 months, mm -hmm. so it was zero. What you saw was built for free with no money. I think we have, I don't know, maybe $25,000 in expenses, but mostly we got some checks in that just like helped pay some random bills where we couldn't get uh, nonprofit donations, but it pretty much ran ran for nothing for 18 months. Uh, at least the first six, there wasn't a single dollar, you know? Um, now we have a $1.35 million budget um, at the beginning of 2023. Um, so that was raised. I put a lot of money in myself. It's something that I really care for. And then I was able to raise another um, couple hundred thousand dollars uh, to bring that budget um, up to where it is today. And we now have a membership program, as you guys are uh, all aware. If you pay $25 a year, you can get extra features like flight tracking and um, unlimited places and a couple other features that that we allow. And so that's actually generating a fair amount of money. Um, not enough to keep us afloat, but we have plenty of time to be able to continue to figure this out. What are some tips of uh, for folks who were want to experiment with this, uh, the best way to use the app? Well, I mean, Watch Duty is a, a different type of application, whereas like Nextdoor and Facebook, they want you to be spending time in the app. That's how they make their money. That's how they advertise to you. Watch Duty is very different. I want you to download it, set it up, and then put it in your pocket and never hear from us again, mm -hmm. right? So there's really not much to it, and that's by design. Obviously, we can talk about the map and the layout, but the design is it's something that you're glad you have and you never want to hear from. Yeah, just like uh, you're saying, John, when um, I finally retired from the fire service and moved into the Wildland Urban Interface, we were looking for this type of information. And someone mentioned your app shortly after you created it. And we thought, wow, this is exactly what we're looking for. I'm having come from that um, service, I knew that I wanted a quicker uh, access and notification of what's occurring because I knew all too well what happens at one of those unified command posts where it takes some time to get the resources on scene, to get the command folks on scene, and for them to make a decision and then notify people what needs to happen. Whereas with your app, we get almost instant notification very near to the time of dispatch so we can start making those critical decisions that we need far earlier maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour earlier than we would ever expect to hear from the official folks within our county. So for us, that's the beauty of your app, is that it gives us that far earlier notification that something is happening. From a map perspective, and then I will tell you that I downloaded your app, then I downloaded a flight tracking app, and then I downloaded a... Um, uh, a radio app so that I can listen to what's occurring on the fire ground. And then lo and behold, you guys added the flight tracking. So I immediately sent in my $25 so that I'm not having to bring up a separate app to do that. Because for me, that pinpoints exactly the location based on what the air assets are doing. 
my question to you would be here in Lake County, one of our biggest challenges and one of our greatest education efforts is educating people on what is now Genesis Protect, what used to be Zone Haven, as, as our county sheriff, fortunately for us, has divided our county up into the evacuation zones. And we're wondering if you might ever have that capability of incorporating, incorporating that layer of evacuation zones as part of your program also, so that it not only tells you which zone that incident is occurring, but also shows you what zone you're in. Because like I say, that's part a great part of our educational project and handing out magnets for the refrigerators and what have you, and to keep them up to date and, and relevant as to what does that mean to me based on where this incident is, what zone is it in, and how many zones is it from me, and how could that affect me? So any opportunity for Genesis Protect in the future, do you think? Yeah, we are, we're building a lot of new features, um, that being one of them. Um, all of this information needs to be in one place. Um, and it's not just evacuation zones, it's, it's evacuation shelters, right? Which is another thing that there's no, there's nowhere that that information exists currently, right? It's all scattered around. And so all of this is all on a roadmap and should all be coming, uh, this next fire season. Would, would uh, a traffic program like Waze be potentially one of those also for um, evacuation information on what roads are open and potentially available for evacuation purposes based on current traffic flows? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the issue with Waze is um, when not everyone uses Waze or Google, that data doesn't get updated enough. Um, and so I'm definitely... We're leery as a company of getting into this idea of like routing. Routing is very dangerous. Sure. If watch duty starts routing people down a street that has a tree across it, and then we start getting backed up, and next thing you know, you have a jackknife, you know, animal trailer, and everyone's stuck, the liability of that is really scary, right? And so we're always walking this line of like, how do we give you truth that we know that we know is the the absolute truth and not hearsay or maybe some machine algorithm thinks this is the route to go, but the police are blocking that off. Or like I said, a tree falls. So we're always trying to find the middle ground uh, of safety and, and saving lives. Yeah, you, yeah that makes you know. a lot of sense. And I think like, like the rest of your app, um, I wouldn't expect you to identify routes, but maybe have the ability to, to just let people know what the current road conditions are so that they can make a more educated decision without having to go to another app. But like you say, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's going to be there at some point. And you bring up another good point, and one of the challenges we have when we're, we're out selling your program, which we do dramatically, but we also have to remind people that there's one official source in Lake County, and that's Lake County alerts. And of course, when we talk to our official folks in the county, uh, one of their concerns is the vetting of your information. So what are you guys doing in an effort to better vet that information when it comes in? What happens is that um, the same way that any dispatcher will um, get the 911 call, we get the same, whether it's Pulse Point, CHP, um, Wildcat, NIFSI, you name it, right? So we have tons of different signals we're always listening to. And when, when a dispatch goes out for a vegetation fire, there's, depending on where it is and what's going on, there's several, if not a half dozen people all listening at one time. So it's not some lone wolf who's hearing something on a tactical channel and just sending it out to the general population. 
right? It's us listening to incident commander, air attack, dispatch, call and response back and forth. 15 acres, low rate of spread. We hear it repeated back by another firefighter. Again, not really tactical channels. This is this is much more um, vetted in our opinion information. And so we as a group are deciding what to publish in real time. So, so far, we have made very, very few mistakes. And if and when we ever do, we publish a retraction very quickly. Um, luckily, these aren't life-saving things where we're telling someone go down this road or you're going to be okay here that's not what we do right it's factual information from the incident commander uh that is recorded as well and so we have everything recorded uh not only everything that goes out in watch duty but all the content we're hearing on broadcastifying the radios are recorded and so it's important for us to tell the truth and only the truth and nothing but the truth no editorialization i think you should go this way we think it's going to go over this ridge like Absolutely not. And if we ever do that, you have my permission to email me, call me and tell me we made a mistake because that's not what we're here for. And we don't make money. I'm air quoting here um, by putting out content. I'd like to talk just a little bit about your team. How big is the team um, and about your, the area of coverage and how do you put it together? How do you coordinate it? And um, it might be interesting just to use Lake County as kind of an example. Uh, how would you put together a team to to cover our area. It seems that you're everywhere all at once. And it's, it's just a uh, remarkable. Well, let's, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Cole. You here, who you guys all probably know his name. He's also on the board of South Lake, South Lake, uh, fire department, but he was running, uh, the LNU fire scanner page in, tw uh, on Facebook for maybe three years, uh, maybe four actually at this point, I can't remember that we, this has happened all very fast. Um, so Cole is one of the first people that I met and Cole is someone I was listening to on the Wallbridge fire, right? He was covering that lightning complex in 2020. And so people like this already exist and they were all using Facebook and Twitter to try and get the information out because that's where the citizens are. That's where residents are of, of these communities. And so um, the, the real challenge is finding them, approaching them, getting them on board, letting them know that we're doing the right thing for the right reasons. We build them tools so they can run their community. We don't, we don't run, you know, I personally don't even, well, no, I listen to radios because I'm curious, but um, I don't put information out on watch duty. It's run by these volunteers who are already doing this work. So it's easier than you think because they're kind of hiding in plain sight, right? And then you have to vet them. Um, is there a code of conduct, uh, a vetting procedure uh, to guard against yeah. misinformation? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's pretty easy with, let's use Cole Yukin as the, as the, um, as the, uh, the use case here. He's been doing this for so long on Facebook. You can read all of his past reporting. So very quickly, you can decide, is this guy a stringer? Is he just, ch is he an ambulance chaser? Is he publishing rando car accidents and other things that are useless for the community? Or is he publishing very, very good high depth uh, information about about wildfire. And so they were vetted before we even, you know, before they knew it, right? Um, we built watch duty knowing that these people were our target uh, mm -hmm. to be able to get on board. So that was the easy part. And then of course we have a code of conduct um, that already matched with what they're, um, what they believe in, right? So it's, you know, no first responder names, engine numbers, deaths, injuries, police activity, robberies. That's just, that's like not, that's not what we do. It's not what the value addition that watch duty is. And so um, 
the, the, the code of conduct was built around how they already operated. So it was very much a joint, um, you know, joint project to build this thing. The other thing uh, I, I really uh, appreciate about your app, John, is that you guys have put uh, red flag warning information on there and actually do the red overlay on the map itself. Um, and we get that question quite often when we're doing our seminars and education is where do I go to get that information? So I really like that that cups on, comes up on your app almost to the point that maybe on a daily basis you'd get a tone of some sort, much like you do for an incident, to remind people that today is another red flag warning event. So that's fresh in their mind. And then I don't know how far you guys have thought about taking that, but what we're doing with it is reminding people that a vast majority of the most deadly fires over the last 20 years have all occurred during red flag events. So we literally give them a checklist to go down on every red flag alert day to help prepare themselves, knowing that uh, the chances are if there's going to be a significant event, it's going to be during those days. And it just prompts them through that checklist to pr better prepare themselves. Uh, you guys th thought about trying to uh, add any kind of layers of that sort with a basic checklist during the most critical red flag alert or red flag warning days? We we are definitely starting to look into quote unquote extreme weather event alerts. We're trying to figure out um, a good way to do it that is actually helpful, not obnoxious, um, um, because there's plenty of other apps that do this, right? And so what we try and do is what no one else does. And so we're trying to figure out, obviously, as you mentioned earlier on this call, like, you know, you used to use Windy and you used to use Flight Radar and we're building all this stuff into Watch Duty for this reason. So we're always trying to figure out the line. And so we think extreme weather events are a good one to do. Another opt-in, um, another opt-in thing you could pick for a given county. Um, the other one being AQI. Uh, AQI is a big issue. We see this constantly. Lake County is a little more used to this than others, but watching community members screaming in Santa Cruz and other places because um, the state park is running a controlled burn. They don't tell Cal Fire. People want to know where the smoke's coming from. They weren't alerted that the AQI was going to be well into the hundreds, 150s that day. And so we're trying to figure out how to look at all these weather events and let people know what's happening because unfortunately the government is not doing that very well. Neither other weather channel apps and other things of that nature. So that's very much on our list. You're absolutely right about the determining, you know, how much and how many layers do we put in there? Because that that's the other issue for us within our council area is, you know, we have a, a lot of folks that are uh, up there in age. And what we want to do is keep it as simple and straightforward as we can. So you're absolutely on the right track there. Our audience is uh, is uh, much different than most most tech products, right? Our audience is, is um, I, I live out here as well, and it's much more elderly population. Uh, and firefighters, you know, we have, I'm not exactly sure how many accounts we have that are firefighters, but more and more and more, um, including, you know, um, OES workers, emergency managers, uh, you know, PG&Es of the world. And so we're also now servicing lots and lots of the first responder community. And that's a great point. And we're wondering if uh, there might be a whole nother level that you guys could potentially work towards for those agencies and those jurisdictions like ours. 
that have an office of emergency services and an emergency operations center that is, you know, only staffed during business hours during the week. Would would you guys ever envision developing a separate product that would be more professional along those lines to provide the counties like us that don't have the ability to uh, maintain folks on duty within an office of emergency services 24 hours a day? Because I gotta believe they're they've all got their app on your phone now. There's no doubt in my mind, and you're probably one of the first things they hear when something's occurring within our county. Yeah. Just wondering if you're th- thinking about taking that to another professional level level for a whole another set of folks. Yeah, I mean we're we're already uh, we have a lot of uh, corporations, including Office California Office of Emergency Services and many others who are buying memberships in bulk for their employees, and so. Not only are they are many of them using it for free, governments are actually starting to become members, which is really exciting. Um, and so we will be building more features um, for them as well as for citizens. So there's a lot of overlap here, right? Like we didn't think that we would end up in so many um, first responders hands because we assumed that everyone had this information, just the PIOs weren't sharing it. And little did we realize that like, when mutual aid happens, and these fires get really gnarly. We got people from different states, counties, jurisdictions all over the place, and there's no central command. I mean, you have incident command, but um, that's not really what happens in the real world, right? People show up on a road somewhere and don't know anything about the area. Um, and so we are building more things to help uh, help those who help us, which has really been a pleasure to do. Um, so we'll be doing more of that discovery this um, this winter. Right. There's lots of other products in the world that are selling to governments. Um, we just think they're not doing the right job, unfortunately. Um, and another problem is they're sold county to county. Right. So they can buy Zone Haven. Well, guess what? Sonoma already uses tablet command. Guess what? We don't use that here. Uh, it's part of Geyserville does. And so there's no central way to look at this. And so we're trying to pay attention to where we can fit in and also not try and build things where we can't fit in, which is just as important. Uh, what we don't build is just as important as what we do. Speaking of, of um, you know, expanding and all of that, uh, I'd like to just uh, touch on the data that you gather. Are you sharing information currently now with EOS uh, officials or academic or government institutions in any way? And is, is that maybe another revenue stream? Uh, I don't even know. What, what kind of data do you save and retain? Well, I mean, we save everything. So everything you see on, on, on the app is, is stored permanently. Um, we are working with a bunch of different organizations, uh, mostly governmental, and some were just trying to trying to create relationships with. We're working on one right now with um, California HHS to try and get all their shelter data and compare it with our shelter data, right? And see, is theirs good enough, which I hope it is, um, to be able to use wholesale or do we have to enrich that data with people? And can we feed them information back? And so there's a lot of deals we're making where no money changes hands, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're doing what should be done, not what makes money. Right, which is very antithetical to most people in in the world, let alone in this space. Uh, what can we at the uh, Canocti Fire Safe Council do here locally to help uh, you support to help support you and in, in your efforts? Well, obviously, everyone becoming a member helps. I mean, we we do need to keep the lights on. We have a lot of advantages being a nonprofit, but we also have to have to pay staff, and we're trying to pay more as well, and really hire top talent. Because if we do not, you know, we we're not going to be a great product, right? And so that's really the really the challenge. So anyone uh, who has 
any means who can support us, become a member in the Watch Duty app. Um, it really, it really helps. Good. Well, John, I want to thank you for being with us. John Mills, co-founder of Watch Duty. If folks want to get in touch with you and learn a little more uh, and maybe become members, how do they do that? Well, watchduty.org has a lot of information about us and how we work. Um, and a lot of the stuff we went over today, but right in the app, in the left-hand side menu, there is a little link that says become a member. And that will give you access to extra features and all sorts of other good stuff. Well, thanks again, John. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, folks. Nice to meet you both, Bill and John. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. It's a great app, John. Keep it up, you guys. And John, Noel, thanks for joining us from the road, for pulling off uh, from your trip up from Southern California. We hope to see you up here in a day or so. Thank you. See you soon. If you want to go even further, head on over to watchduty.org. I will put the link in the show notes. And we'll also link to a video about Watch Duty, which really has some good details about how this group is organized. That's it for this episode of Fire Talk. So please subscribe and help us to build the show. Please rate, review, and share with your friends. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google, and pretty much every other platform. We're happy to add iHeartRadio to that mix this week, too. Thanks for taking us on. I'm Bill Grudy, and speaking for my colleague and fellow KFC board member John Knoll, thanks for listening, and stay fire safe. Fire safe.